Thank you for tuning into the Great Work Podcast. My name is Amanda, your host. Today we are talking to Havtam. She I met on TikTok, just like a lot of amazing people. She is Israeli and she is an Ethiopian Jew. So I think there's a ton of people talking about Ethiopian Jews on on TikTok, talking about how they're not. I mean, I, I find it's one of the talking points of the anti-Israel people that they believe that um, Ethiopian Jews are mistreated. And Tom has a lot to say about that. But, you know, I, I one of my least favorite things that people on the left in general do is they talk about um, Ethiopian Jews or just any minority group. They pick little things and then they say they're standing up for them. And really, they're... In Hoptom's words, they have evil intentions. They don't actually mean to stick up for Ethiopian Jews. I've even seen people use the term Felusha, which is, that's a derogatory term for Ethiopian Jews. You know, they make up lies. They say that they were sterilized. They were never sterilized. They were given birth control and there seemed to be a language barrier. We go into all those details, but... I think, you know, I can give my perspective as an American non-Jew, but I think it's much more important to hear from an actual Israeli Jew on the subject. Haftam also served in the IDF, and we talk about what it's like in the IDF, um, the patriotism people felt on October 7th when they saw what was happening, how many people showed up for reserves out of the blue. Um, she tried to go back into the army. Um and they they were full. They said, we don't need you. We, we've had enough people call up. So um, I think it really goes to show how patriotic she is and other Ethiopian Jews are. Um, so without further ado, we'll get into this episode. Welcome back. Today we have had, and she is, we met through TikTok, like, like a lot of people I have on here. Um, she does some of the lives. I believe we're both banned right now. So we're, yeah. We need to we need a forum to talk out our thoughts, I guess. Um, Hamtam mm-hmm. is Israeli, and she is also Ethiopian, Ethiopian Jewish. I I find what I see um, on TikTok of how the pro Palestinians talk about Ethiopian Jews, I find it incredibly offensive. So I'd love to hear her thoughts on that. Um, but first, can you give a little bit about your background? Um, so I'm 20, almost 25. My family and I moved to Israel back in 2001. Ethiopian, Jewish, Israeli. Um, I was never like far left or far right. I was always like in the middle, always believed in like peace and the land and not necessary governments or anything that complicated. Um, and I, I served for, I served for like two years in the IDF at the Air Force. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about what it was like moving to Israel from Ethiopia in 2001? Okay. So me specifically, I moved when I was like almost two years old. So I don't remember much about mm-hmm. moving. But I definitely remember the struggle in the cultural in the cultural differences, obviously, since I was like growing up in Israel as an Israeli and an Israeli lady at the end of the day who speaks Hebrew better than I speak Amharic. 
um, but my parents they move like pretty late so you always have this like difference in the culture when your parents are immigrating at the older age mm-hmm. um, but definitely you see I feel like what bothered me the most during like since October 7th is the amount of racism I'm getting for defending my own people so it's like if if you're looking at the map okay you have Israel at the end, you have Egypt, then Sudan and Ethiopia. So uh, the majority of the, of these uh, pro-Palestinians, they're talking about like, how are you connected to Israel, to, to all Israelis, to all Jews. And they're talking about how it's in the Middle East. And I know many families from Ethiopia that literally walked to Israel. So how is it hard for you to believe that we're Jews, but it makes sense to you that you will have Russian Jews or Moroccan Jews or Yemen Jews. So it's like, it, 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 I feel like the majority of them are just like, it's plain racism because it will, it will be perfectly logical having Yemenese Jews and Russian Jews. But somehow when you're talking about uh, Ethiopian Jews and you also have like Jews from a Nigeria and Ghana, it's not the only African country, but obviously we're 200,000, so this is the largest population. But all I'm getting is like, uh, I will not use the N-word, but I've I've been receiving many N-words, something that, you know, in Israel, we don't really, like, nobody's using this word. It has nothing to do, like, the culture. Obviously, we're speaking here in Hebrew. So I've been getting so many N-words, and I'm like, I wouldn't get offended by this, but how can you claim to protect the poor, the oppressed, and you do that by calling me, um, by calling me a slave, or um, attacking me personally, talking, like they're trying, they're bringing up um, things that happened in the past related to racism and trying to tokenize that. And it's like, it's so offensive because... Obviously, you know that I know what happened to my people. I know about racism, but why are you trying to tokenize that and like try to hurt and like, you know, it's com- It's a very, very, for me at least, it's a very evil thing to do because it, it comes from a very evil place because it's not that you really care for my people or what we've been through with racism. No, you just want to tear apart the Jewish population or the Israeli community by talking about things like that. But you're not talking about um, racism that Moroccan have been through or Yemenis or other like the religious and non-religious in Israel. No, the only thing that you talk about is my color. So no, it's not that you really that you really been bothered by racism in Israel. You just want to talk about the color of my skin. So that's a lot of racism that I've been getting. I'm sorry you're getting racism. I've noticed that yeah. with the especially Americans take the racism thing to just a whole other level that Mm -hmm. I find other people in the world don't take it necessarily to that level um in my opinion but I I agree because the majority of them are Americans that's yeah it's a burning topic in the U.S. yeah it's a it's a big topic over here Mm -hmm. for rightfully so for some reasons but I think some people especially like teenagers just take it way 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 too far sometimes and i find it very interesting yeah that they're they're calling you out 
but they're calling you a slur to try and say that they don't support you or that you should support the people that are actively trying to kill you, which yeah. is Hamas. It just they doesn't exactly they wouldn't think that far the only thought they have in their mind is the same propaganda things that they've been reading okay so you have this um very well paid machine the propaganda machine which its main job is to spread lies and false information about israeli people and israeli government so those people even uh, the 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 n words and the the bad type of um, treatment that I got was not from black people, but it was from pro Palestinians. But black people that I've been talking to, they think that they're like they have this thing that they they feel like okay, so these are the non-white and they're the oppressed, obviously. So we should support them, right? So I feel like no, you've got all of this wrong because you've been keep on reading those like false information fake articles obviously um and even the ones that have a bit of truth obviously they've they have already made out of it like like just just now on october 7th the amount of black people that they brutally murdered it's not that they have sent a bomb and somehow by mistake innocent black people were unalive no they butchered them they shot them face to face like i know that on the first day there was one lady who were over 40 like a mom you can see that she's a mom she's an elderly and they still killed her it's not that they were searching for um soldiers or the white israelis no they came here and whoever they saw they shot. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with Jewish. It has nothing to do to color or a state or nothing. Even the Muslim ones, okay? We're talking about Israeli Arabs that are a part of our community, okay? They are also on, like, we're on the same side here because they have had lost as well. Druze, Arabs, Ethiopians, uh, non-Jews, Christians, we were all under one attack by the eight by Hamas so it's not that you know yeah TikTok day so it's not that um it was directly to the army or to the soldiers it was to everybody here and this is why I don't understand why they keep on talking about you shouldn't support or no I will support the same uh, uh, IDF and the same government that is trying to save my life because if it wasn't for the IDF if they wouldn't like our soldiers have been like they stopped them on that day with their bodies if it wasn't for these soldiers that were like at the end of the day they died to protect us if it wasn't for them that 1200 people in a day you know it's been 70 days that could have been easy like 90,000 people dead and more more and more uh, Hamas terrorists could have been entered to the country. But no, they had to, like, with their bodies, they had to stop them from killing more Jews and more Israelis. And this is what happened on that day. So don't tell me um, you shouldn't support them. It, it's a, No, it's not about land, okay? It's about good and bad. It's about uh, killing people, okay? And it's about protecting people. It has nothing to do with land. If they was, If they were really trying to... A conquer or free Palestine, 
they would tie up the people okay even if they even, even if they wanted to take hostages they would tie up people okay they wouldn't burn houses they wouldn't burn people alive they wouldn't sexually harass and sexually torture um men and women children so they wouldn't do all of that they would focus on uh, bases they would take bases they would take military um commanders they wouldn't get close to um civilian areas right but they did the civilians they're not holding weapon on their like if even if something like that would happen the the press would tell us just to stay at home and the army would take care of it right so instead of actually going here and freeing palestine or focusing on the resistance that you were trying to do no you didn't do that you were focusing on butchering ravers who their average age was like 20 maybe all of the ravers mostly women the small uh, villages okay on the border of gaza these people are like in israel we call them like the far left there is a reason why they live on the border these people are the I, I feel like if if anybody believe in peace and in two state solution and one state solution and in, in, in together are these people and the majority of them right now i i don't want to say for them but i feel like most of them understand that the problem is real and it has nothing to do with land um yeah totally. yeah totally i think that's mm-hmm. something that people don't understand is that the people who live by the border of gaza are the most liberal people in israel who a lot of those people dedicated their lives to try and bring peace together between the people of gaza and the people of israel and they like i've seen so many stories about many of the people that were killed or taken hostage and tortured were people who would volunteer to pick up people at the border of gaza and bring them to the hospital so that they could receive Mm -hmm. israeli medical care i've also never heard of an open-air prison that picks up people to bring them to get medical care in another country with better medical systems i've never heard of an open-air prison where people bring like tons of trucks of aid in every day when i went to israel a couple years ago we went up to the border of gaza and watched them exchange aid back and forth and then they told us about mm-hmm. how they bring people to um, get medical care and there was one person who went a story that they told us where she went to it's a woman who went to go shoot the aid workers and the israeli idf soldiers at the border when they were exchanging aid and she got injured and they said okay well or maybe she was a part of it somehow i don't know but she was part of it and they said okay well we're going to give you treatment or whatever she must not have been part of it i don't remember the whole story but she Mm -hmm. she needed medical treatment and so they brought her to get medical treatment and when they picked her up to get medical treat give her medical treatment she was wearing a suicide vest And she planned to blow herself up in either the hospital when she got there or in the car. And they checked her and they said, well, why would you want to kill people when they're helping you with your medical treatment? And she was like, well, this is what we do. It's like, well, you shouldn't do that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's sad. And I just, the calls for a ceasefire, I just don't think people understand that 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 ceasefire only goes one way, you know, like they don't stop that. And every, uh, I will add to to the um to the ceasefire part. Every ceasefire was always initiated by them. Why? Because every time, let's say, let's go back to 
the last, like, I would say, um, serious invasion that we had to Gaza, and that was 2014. They kidnapped three um, teenagers, three boys, and for, I think, for a few days, they were looking for them. And there was also the recording of one of the guys was calling the police when they understood that, like, he that he was kidnapped. There were three at the back. And then after a while, they found the bodies of all three. And this is how in 2014, they entered and they tried again. In, back in 2014, they was trying to do what we were doing right now. But then again, they were crying and the whole world was pressure in Israel. No, we should do ceasefire. Stop with the bombing. Stop with this. Right. And then again, right? The government couldn't do nothing because of all of the international pressure. So they left uh, Gaza again completely. A ceasefire was on, right? But then still, the people that live on the border, once in a while, they get some rockets. But Israel is being quiet about it because we have the Iron Dome. So they're not even uh, aggressively uh, reacting to those little rockets that are being sent. Um, and obviously, you have the day-to-day tear attacks because, mm-hmm. you know, for me that lives in the center, okay, when I walk, I don't know how it is for other people, but when I walk at the same place that I know not, uh, not long ago, we had a terror attack, you sit at the place, you look around, and you're thinking about those moments before the terror attack, how people felt sitting where I'm sitting. And for me, I, I don't have the same fear. When I hear the siren, uh, sometimes, you know, you're, you're getting stressed. Obviously, you're, you're panicking a bit. But it's not as scary as a tea attack. Because I know that the IDF is protecting us. I know that we have the Iron Dome. And if I'm going to the shelter, I'm going to be protected. But when I'm walking outside, and I don't know, because... You know, the majority of those attacks were from East Jerusalem or like from the West Bank. And you don't know. It could literally be anybody. He can run you over. He can stab you. He can get, he can just buy illegal weapon and just start shooting people in Tel Aviv, in Tel Aviv, in the center of Tel Aviv. And it's like, if you ever, like you've been in Israel, so you know that wherever you go, you have security at the mall, even at the small shops in Jerusalem, wherever you go, you have soldiers 24-7. It's not something normal. And people think that this is just like, it's how Israel is. No, I wish we didn't need this, but we must. Because if you wouldn't have like Magav, which is the power that is protecting that side of Israel in Jerusalem, then most probably every day you're going to have people dying in Jerusalem. Or in Tel Aviv, if you're not going to have those undercover cops and like a, a good uh, intelligence, then you're going to have attacks every day. Because if it wasn't for that level of security that we have, so many people would be dead. And and so, so many people already died, right? Mm-hmm. Just now, even after the war, we had two different terror attacks. Even during the war, after people, like people that live in Israel, this is what bothers me the most, people that live in Israel that didn't took part of October 7th, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they were not. They were uh, in East Jerusalem, in the West Bank. They didn't, took, they didn't took part, but they've seen the terror, right? They could get, they, they saw the videos on Telegram. Everybody saw the videos and those images are 
horrific, right? So you've seen it. You've seen how the people of Israel have come to that um, point, uh, painful point, right? And you're still, um, you're still waking up in the morning and you're like, okay, even though this is what's happening right now in Gaza, I will still go and I will still try to shoot as many uh, people as I can, regardless to what they are. And it's like it's it's frustrating because you wanna you wanna believe in peace you wanna believe in uh, two state solution or one state solution or that we we have we have who to talk to but then during this vulnerable time this is the this is the type of things that are happening and you don't know like how am I supposed to react right am I supposed to feel safe well and- I will not go to Jerusalem right now to yeah. be honest yeah it's scary it is scary. And you shouldn't have to go through that. And I can't stand that the entire global community, it seems, or at least the people on TikTok, have just completely belittled your experience and what you're going through. You know, October 7th was horrific enough. And now you mm-hmm. have to still live with this constant, like this fear and more terrorist attacks are coming. And it's just like, well, well, what? You just want to bomb Gaza? It's like, I don't. No, you want to take out Hamas, you know, <laughs> like. I just want to live in peace. Yeah. We're not even like, we're not even that religion. You understand in Israel that the, you, you have maybe a few, like two, two, three million people that are, I would consider religion, but like religious, but even them, it's, we don't have that in Israel. We have one of the biggest gay prides. People in Israel have, like, it's a democrat country. We're not that religion. We, we religious. We don't even care um, if the people that lives in Israel will be necessarily Jewish or not. To that, like, obviously you have the rules of who can come here or, or who cannot. But on a day-to-day, I don't care. And the majority of people don't care. We want to live our life peacefully we have almost three million uh, arabs israeli arabs that are a part of the community of the israelis and they are israelis just the same way that i'm israeli and i know that they also they want to live in peace they don't want to be i I'm, i'm sure that they don't they don't want to feel like people are suspecting them all the time or they're looking at them as if they committed a terror attack or thinking about it but how can they have a normal life when on the on the right side on the other side of the border people who look just like them right who speak the same language who act as if they're doing them a favor are unaliving people and behaving in such a radical way and it's like i feel i feel bad for children's i feel bad for anybody inside of um gaza that is being hurt and have nowhere to go and like at the end of the day I'm sure that people around the world that actually care for these people, they don't call for ceasefire. They call for Hamas to surrender. They call for Hamas to bring back the hostages. Because those two actions can end the war in a day and stop all of the the dying from both sides. Because if you really care for human rights, right? You really care for the lives of people from both sides, as as you claim, right? Mm -hmm. So that will be the only way to stop the killing, right? So if that is the only way to stop the killing, why don't I see all of these human rights activists, instead of chanting from the river to the sea, 
how about calling for for Hamas to surrender and bring back the hostages? And we we as as a community, we want the hostages to be back. We don't want our brothers and our family and our friends to be in the army risking their lives, right? We want Hamas to surrender, we want Hamas to be gone and we want peace, right? Totally. And if if they were chanting the the right words, maybe we actually had a chance to get the the hostages back. But instead of that, you're giving Hamas this, I don't know, international back that October 7th was justified. And it's okay to do this type of things in in the name of the cause. Yeah. I don't. It's It's just. It's frustrating. It's it's on another planet. Love Mm -hmm. crazy. So I want to talk a little bit, we're getting into the IDF and we, right before we started recording, I'm, I'm sad we didn't record it. We were talking about your time in the IDF. I just want to ask you a couple of questions about it. Um, I asked you about people being called up and how they knew they would be called up. And you said something really beautiful that on October 7th, when people saw what was happening, a lot of the men just said they didn't, they didn't wait to be called up. They just, they just went. Um, to fight because they wanted to defend they're like we need to protect everyone here and I think that's and then you said that you called to say hey can I come back and they said like we have enough people right Mm -hmm. it's like I I remember on the first day already like during the afternoon on like live television you could see first thing nobody was called you can see a line of cars for like kilometers okay line of cars of Israeli people that want, went to the army and we're ta- we're not talking about 18 19 20 we're talking about 23 to 60 and 60 67 years old men and women um i feel like for us israelis we don't see the army and obviously on a day to day you know the army it's just like you know just like school you want to you want to finish with the army you want to go you want to travel but when it comes to these type of times, we know that we're a small country. We know what happened in the in the Holocaust. We know that it's us. And if we're not going to protect ourselves, nobody's going to do it. And on that day, it's not that people were waiting to be called. Every person that was a fighter and could physically go, they all went. They all went because it's like... The feeling that we had um, on October 7th, and I'm sure that they had the same feeling, it was not about like fear of dying. It's just that they invaded our homes. It, 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 it has not, like, even if it didn't happen in the center, but the thought that it happened to some people from my community, some Israeli people, it felt like it happened in my own house, that people were brutally murdered in their own ho- in their own home. And it's like... Obviously, for any fighter in the IDF or formal fighter, it was heartbreaking to see it and to know that they weren't there to protect us. So on that moment, I'm sure that the only thing that they had in through their minds is like, we're going to go there and we're going to show them that this is the last time that they will ever going to be even close to make something like that because it's going to be the end of Hamas. And this is something that even if we're all were very surprised by October 7th and the size of the event is just because we know that compared to the IDF, they're nothing. They're absolutely nothing. And for us, something like that to happen is like, we know that we're a democrat country and our army is human and we're never going to do unnecessary 
uh, killing and when you're going to the army the first thing that you learn that you learn is how to protect and how to save lives and never how to kill and it's all it's always about protecting the people and protecting the land and even if you're in a situation the goal is not to analyze your your enemy is to take him and bring him to justice we're no gods we're not playing gods we will never gonna decide who deserve to uh, to live and who deserve to die and this is the big difference between us and i feel like when we saw what happened we were like if it was the opposite if they had the idea of power we wouldn't even survive 48 we would be all gone by now, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like they don't have the power, but they want to destroy us. This is this is what they say. They they keep on repeating we will commit another October seventh or chanting intifada, intifada. Like I know what is intifada. Intifada is when people are blowing themselves at the mall, at restaurants, at nightclubs, at buses. During this time, I, for example, that don't have a car, okay, I will not go on a public bus or any anything that is public because it's scary. Because you don't know which number will be the unlucky number to go on because many people have lost their lives just by going on the wrong bus. So it's like, no, we're not going to be, we're not going to behave this way. And the IDF could, if we really wanted to commit a genocide, right? like how they like to use they there would be no uh, uh, gaza by now there would be no gaza in 2014 but this is not the goal this is not what we're trying to get the the, the misconception right now is that the israeli people want to conquer want to take lands want to no we were mm -hmm. living peacefully on october 6th and we were forced to a war and now you were supporting those brutal acts of October 7th, calling it resistance. But now when the IDF is protecting, you're saying things like, no, that's a genocide. No, that's too much. No, you should choose if you're against war or if you are with war. Because if, if you can support what happened on October 7th, I don't want to hear you nothing. I don't want to hear you at all. But if you can condemn Hamas on October 7th and you think that everything was wrong, then I want to hear you not saying Israel stop. I want to hear you say Hamas should surrender. Oh. Hamas should surrender and they should bring the hostages back. At any at any point here, you cannot come to Israel and talk about why are they they're doing this or why are they attacking in this way. Even though the number of casualties is high, obviously, for me, if I see one soldier, uh, even I, even if I see one soldier, it it hurts your your stomach, it hurts your heart, because you know he has family. You're looking at his face and you're thinking to yourself, I might have seen him before, and and it's painful because some of them they look just like me, some of them look like somebody that I've dated, so it it's painful even if you don't know him each one of them. So I know that the number of casualties in Gaza is higher, but you're forgetting that nobody's protecting them. Mm -hmm. Nobody's protecting them. They have no shelter bombs. The, the head of Hamas is sitting comfortable in Qatar, right? They also loudly and proudly say that their job is not to protect them, yet the pro-Palestinians, instead of going after Hamas that is using them as shields, they're going after us, that the only thing that we want is that this war will be over. And 
to move forward to the future. Because in Israel, we're not talking about it, 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 it. Like if you would watch the the Israeli media, they're talking about what's going to happen on the day after the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's going to who's going to control Gaza? If it's going to be a Palestinian authorities or not? You see, the conversation is all about who's going to control the Palestinian people, who's going to control the land, who's going to be the best fit to help them to be, to have, to, to get a real education. And, and that is the, that is the conversation. Nobody's talking about let's eliminate all Palestinian people or, or, or let's do this or that. And on the other hand, if you're going to watch Al Jazeera and you're going to listen to Yehi Sinwar, that's the only thing he talk about. Mm-hmm. But the, the Jewish enemy and, and what's he's planning to us or or his friend in Lebanon, Hezbollah, who's saying the same things. Totally. And it is funny when people say that. I mean, it's funny that they scream genocide, but the death count is stuck at around 18 to 20,000 for almost three months. So typically mm-hmm. in a genocide, that number of deaths would go up very sharply, increase very yeah it would it would be much more than twenty thousand three months later if the idf was not making a lot of moves to try and not kill people i i think that that's funny i realized that the other day the the death count has remained almost the same for three months how is that a genocide you know it, it it's like the same type of people that i'm trying to talk to and i and i say it's not a genocide Okay, because the the the, the uh, definition of a, a genocide is mostly the the the, the most important thing is um, is the intention behind the act, and what happened on October seventh is much more like a genocide than what we're doing right now. Because obviously, if you're comparing our um, our actions or the IDF's actions to a genocide then each war in history is a genocide. So wars in general are genocide. Because if the other day I was talking to somebody on a live and I was like, can you define me a genocide and a war and, and explain to me how is it different? Because it's, it's at the end of the day, yeah, it's the intention behind it. We are not going on a war to kill all Palestinian peoples, right? We're going on a war after Hamas, just like how the US did in Afghanistan and Iraq so you're not nobody's going after Palestinian people we're going after Hamas who committed the October 7th acts we're going after the same people who take all of the money that has been sent to Gaza and then instead of stopping in Gaza it's doing this turn and somehow get into Qatar right so this is I don't understand how is it possible because all of these pro Palestinians the only thing you need to do is to open Google and check what is the net worth of Bibi Netanyahu it's like what one hundred million dollars how come Yehi Sinwar who sat in the Israeli present not long ago worth like three billion dollars how does that make sense I don't understand it like Kim Kardashian doesn't worth that much. Right? right, and she's been she's been working for this long, right? Kanye, the Jay Z doesn't worth that much, right? How come this guy worth that much? Don't you think that something is wrong when sixty percent of uh, Palestinians are in need of basic basic aid? And this is not from October seventh. This has been going on for a long time, right? So you have the rich uh, and luxury neighborhood in Gaza, right? So 
if you're committing a tear tax and your family is going to be paid for the rest of their lives, right? Because you're going to be dead, obviously, or in Israeli prison. So they're going to be living comfortable there. And the sons and their family of uh, Yehi Sinwar and Muhammad Dev and all of the suicide squad. So all of them, they're going to be living comfortable and their families in the luxury. And, you know, we, we talked about it the other day. There is Mercedes Benz in, in Gaza, which is ridiculous, right? And 100,000 people need to go, th- to go through the border every day to work in Israel, right? But somehow it's Israel's fault, right? $11 billion, you know how much you could have done? You know how much it cost them to build those tunnels? Just a million think- dollars a mile without electricity, not counting electricity. A million dollars Ex- a mile. It's between 300 and 500 kilometers of miles. So that's between 300 and 500 million dollars, US dollars. So I still don't. Where did that money come from? Yeah, where did that money? Where does that money come from? How come people in in Gaza have been, you see, in the past, I think, five, seven years, I've seen many videos before this war as well of people that are running away from Gaza by small boats. And then when they reach, they immigrate, right? And they talk about um, Hamas and they talk about the situation there and how difficult it is to make a living, right? So I'm just asking myself, why don't you build economy? Why don't you, like even even the, the electricity, right? Even the phone lines, everything was done by Israel. The basis of that country was done by Israel. The only thing that they've done since 2007 is building a net worth of tunnels and building more uh, tea groups. Like the only thing that it caused is more, uh, I would say, evil things in, in, in Gaza. Instead of focusing on making that small land, um, Shanghai, right? Mm-hmm. They The only thing that they've done there is just, making the people there suffer more because the kids are not getting any type of education. They're fueling their hate. The only thing that they get is like, the Jews have done that. They're oppressors. They colonized the land. It's our land. We need to fight them. They killed your family. That's the only thing that they teach them. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if, if kids are going to be driven to this type of hate they're gonna grow up and at the age of 18 19 20 which is the age of the people that committed october 7th right Mm -hmm. 18 19 20 right to brutally uh, rape to brutally murder um to tie up families i I don't want to repeat some of the things that i've said uh, that i've seen but the actions were really horrific and it's not that they were kicked out of Israel or that they remember 48 or that even their parents were a part of, I don't know, any type of uh, um, any type of war in Israel. It's like they're 18, they're 19. They're not remembering anything. The only thing that they know comes from that brainwashing mm-hmm. that they've got. This is what have driven all of this hate, Right. So it's like, and the, the rest of the world, they see this as it's normal that people at that age behave like that. No, it's not normal. And don't don't tell me why were they had, why did the Israeli uh, government had teens um, in prison? Because 
if you're committing if you're committing um, a crime, you're a criminal and you deserve to sit in juvie. That's how it works. If I will, if I will go at my older age, right? If I will go right now and I will do something in East Jerusalem, I will be arrested. It, has, it, it works both ways. You cannot you cannot say no. They shouldn't arrest the children. No, if they're committing, if the, the other day two children at the age of thirteen, fourteen, they had kitchen knives, okay, kitchen knives this this large, okay, in their bags next to the rail station in Tel Aviv, and I've seen the videos, and it's like. For each one of these um, teenagers that were arrested, there is a video. Israel is full of cameras. So they were holding their bags with the knives. They went there and then they came back to take the knives and go back to the rail station. And then they got arrested. But if it wasn't for that, those teens could have un- like killed somebody at that age. Just like that. And it's normal. And their parents are sending them knowing what they're about to commit, knowing the type of life that they're expecting to have, and they're okay with it. They they support it. They they fully appreciate it that their children will die as shades. It's and instead of them getting a normal education, this is what their parents educate them to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it's the craziest thing. I people over here can't understand it. When we talk about the IDF, can you just answer for me, like, so it's mandatory after pretty much you're done with high school, when you turn 18, you have to go to the IDF, right? How do you choose, like, you grow up knowing you're going to go into the IDF, so did you always think, like, oh, I'd like to do the Air Force, or were you thinking, like, I'm just going to show up and they're going to sign me something, or? So it's like, um, first thing, for I feel like for the majority of Israelis, until we join the army, we're very excited to join the army. Like the the only type of like thoughts I had about the army was all positive. Because for us, especially me back then, I was um in Hebrew we say very yellow. Yellow is when you want to go to the army and you want to do stuff for your country and you want to be a commander and you have all these um. Uh, positive uh, feelings about the army so it's like first thing for all of us this is like I feel like if you really want to feel Israeli and if you really want to know how it is to live in Israel in in the in the IDF you have the whole country combined together in one place so you will see all shades all colors all religion you have muslims you have Jews, you have uh, christians you have non-religion you have atheists you have everything there right so it's like this is the one place that you see how the israeli community is actually like in harmony because we're all there for the higher cost so i feel like we're all very excited to go there I feel like for for men that like um, sports and that are very like muscly or they've always or their parents or their brothers have been fighters, like combat fighters. So some of them, they know where they want to get to. And like, obviously, you have the test, you have physical tests, you have like computer tests. Um, I didn't know that I'm going to be at the Air Force. I was like, here I am, whatever you think. I'll do it because <laughs> I knew I'm not going to be, I knew I'm not going to be a combat fighter. My uh, physical profile was too low. 
and obviously I also it was just not for me but whatever they wanted to like whatever they wanted I'll do it like gladly because for me it was like an adventure not only that you're volunteering and you're helping your country but you're like you're gonna be a part of something big and this is something that at the end of the day I feel like Israelis overall it's not fun like it, it, it sometimes it can be fun but it's very difficult and you're 18 and you're growing up pretty quickly and you're learning how to be in a society where you know at the end of the day the army is no joke you can't say whatever you want you you don't even own your body <laughs> you can't even wear the color of nails that you want hair everything but I, I think that it had such a positive impact on my image. You know, you, you grow up, you you understand what's important and how each little part in the system at the end of the day, you know, it helps the soldier that is fighting and need, I don't know, he needs that, um, that help with finance or a, with a housing or whatever. So it's like one big system. And I feel like everybody's just happy to be a part of it. And during war is much easier for us because you can see why it's so important what you're doing. And it's like some of them, some of the people that go to the army, they're like, okay, I want to be this and I'm going to work very hard and I'm going to get there. And some people are like me. We're like, we're going to join and whatever they're going to give us, we're just going to do. Okay. Uh, okay. That's a really good explainer. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then my last question for you is, the biggest question we get about Ethiopian Jews is that apparently everyone was forcefully sterilized. And I know you okay, have some so, thoughts about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So first thing, it's not everyone. Okay. Obviously it's not everyone. Uh, so there's two things that I can, I can, I want to break it down. First thing there was, um, back when um, they were bringing Jews through um, the retreat camp in Sudan, right? So back then, they say that some of them got it, and because of the language barrier, they couldn't translate it um, well, right? Mm -hmm. And that was not to, like, these women can still have children, right? Just want to make sure that everybody understand they can all still have children it was birth control but like there was another story of 2013 but it's like those stories okay it's a very specific small amount of the community of the community and it was very very um in hebrew we say dot but like it Obviously, it's terrible, and we know it's terrible, and we talk about it at as as uh, black people in Israel. We talk about this event in the right um in the right conversation. This is not the time for this conversation. We need to make sure that we're gonna have a country to fight for better rights or to fight against racism wherever you're gonna have, and especially in Israel, where. When you're walking in the street, all of the faces look different. You're going to see any type of face. So obviously, you're going to have racism. We cannot force people and say, no, so from, from Sunday, that's it. Racism is off, is off, 
is off the topic. We can't be racist anymore. This is the new laws. If you're racist, we're going to kill you. No, it doesn't work like that. As a, as a community, we're working. We want to talk about it. It's a very important conversation to have. But for me, if you're talking about this subject right now, it's from evil intent to cause damage. It has nothing to do with the, the current situation and it has nothing to do with the Israeli government because we, we're, we're, we're a part of Israel. And when, you're, when, when somebody is talking about the subject, I get offended not because you're talking about the subject, but because you're separating me from the Israeli community. No, I'm not doing anybody favor. No, I'm not helping the Israelis. No, I am an Israeli and I'm protecting my land. It has nothing to do with racism. And it's like, they're like shocked by my answer just because you okay let's say americans that are doing this type of um conversations they're like i'm like if you can't see yourself as an american as a proud american that is your problem because you're living there you're getting your education there and you don't know how your life could have been turned off if you weren't in the US, right? But I'm proud to be an Israeli. I love my country, I love my land, and I love the Israeli people, which are a part of me. So I'm not gonna act as if racism doesn't exist, but we are working towards a change, and this is how you do it. But this claim of, no, they don't care about you and you're protecting them, no, there are 200, almost 200,000 Ethiopian Jews in this land, and we're not just going to sit down here and say, no, because racism exists and we shouldn't join the army. No, it doesn't work like that. And, and that victim mentality, for me, it's a victim mentality to think like that, to, to not be a part of the to not be a part of the solution, but be a part of the problem. And it's like, no, if you think like that, the way that you're thinking is completely wrong. Because we cannot work and, and solve racism today while war. And, and we all know this is a problem that needs to be fixed. But I would say that from my American friends, from my British friends, black friends, and, and I've, I've, I've talked to them and they were here and they were there as well. They feel more safe in Israel. Don't act as if you don't know, because obviously here you will feel more safe. We still have racism, but you can't even compare it to what's happening right now in the US or UK. So please do not. And if you want to talk about racism, if you want to talk about human rights, they're still enslaving black people in the West Bank, in Al-Abid, which is the prison of, 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 the prison of uh, slaves. Or how, like, the four, like, seriously, they're killing Black people who are not Muslims in African countries right now. So don't act as if somebody's being unalived, somebody's being killed uh, in Israel just because he's Black when you have... I don't know what, 200,000 people, 300,000 people that have been dying in Somalia and Sudan. Like you're talking about racism and, and, and human rights. We are the most safe country in the Middle East for black people. In Israel, if you're a refugee from Eritrea, from Sudan, and you're coming to here, you're going to have, at the end of the day, you're going to have work. They're going to acknowledge you as a refugee, even if you're not going to get the same rights. Obviously, you have uh, rules in each country, but you're going to work, you're going to live, you're going to have normal life. And at the end of the day, you're a refugee who came here because of a war and you're going to live freely. But 
the the stories that I've heard, and there is a very famous guy on TikTok that, that he's Eritrean and he's talking about it. When he passed the border to Israel in Egypt uh, and on the way to, to Israel, some of the people had to sell their kidneys because they had to pay to pass the border or to give everything they had. They wouldn't give them water or food and they would let them starve and drink their pee. And this is things that happened. And like people that have been through this are talking about it because when they reached Israel here, they treat them like human beings. Nobody asked them to pay because it's a it's a legal country at the end of the day. Nobody asked them to sell any kidney. Nobody asked them to drink their pee. No, they treated them like human beings. So don't act as if the Middle East is this perfect utopia for black people when we all know the Arab slave trade still exists. And this is what you're supporting. And Black Lives Matter it's such a big disappointment, really, such a big disappointment. Why don't you fight for the the, the Afro-Palestinian people? Where have you been when they, they were literally talking in the media a lot about the racism they have been facing? And nobody said anything. But you care for us, the Ethiopian people, who can do whatever we want, travel wherever we want, we're not we're talking about the racism but right now we're not asking you to come help us with the racism we're asking you to come help us with hamas <laughs> and it's not happening they're, they they want to focus they want to focus on what they want to focus at you know whatever that's going to make israel look like the bad guy i think that is a perfect place to end it i think you really <laughs> that clip's going <laughs> to that was really good well, thank you so much for doing this. I hope thank everyone you for having me. Everyone's gonna really enjoy this episode. Stop recording. All right. I hope you guys loved this episode. Thank you again, Hop Tom, for doing the episode. Um, again, I, I feel so blessed to have met her through TikTok and so many other of these amazing creators through TikTok. Who would have known this, you know, app that I spent way too much time on during COVID would um bring me to so many amazing people like all of you and like Tom. So um, let me know what you think. Next episode, we're going to be hearing from a Qatar scholar, um, someone studying Qatar and how they fund Hamas and all of these different types of things. So I think that'll be very interesting as well. Um, rate, Comment below, rate me five stars if you think I deserve it. Share with a friend if you think that they would like to hear from this episode and I'll see you next time.